Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. A celebration of the transformative power of music and the bonds that develop when artists collaborate and worlds collide the film Satan and Adam follows a blues duo, a fixture of Harlem's sidewalks in the late 80s and early 90s. Directed by Scott Balsarek, uh, pulls together over two decades of documentary footage to chart the duo's trajectory from the streets of Harlem, where they were happened upon by you 2 who are filming uh, for the documentary, another documentary, Rattle and Hum, to uh, so much more. The film is not only just about the music and about uh, the times that they grew up in together as musicians, but also about this friendship and bond that they share. Again, the film's called Satan and Adam. We're so honored to have with us today the director of the film, Scott Balsarek. Scott, welcome to Film School. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to, glad to be on the show. Um, thank you. Uh, so uh, tell me a little bit about... Uh, I'm a music fan. I'm a fan of... of blues music not a huge giant nerd about it but i had never heard of mr satan until i saw your film tell me a little bit about how you got introduced to mr satan well um i'm a musician and um i was living in pittsburgh pennsylvania this was of course years ago because it it, it took me 23 years to make the film and um i was just uh out of college and uh was actually at the time um editing a film for another musician friend of mine about a street singer in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I'm from, uh, that was called Street Songs, which, which ended up uh, winning him the Student Academy Award at that time. Oh. And uh, so he, he and I were sort of really excited about that, and a friend of mine had said, you should come see this group, Satan and Adam, because they're also street musicians. I didn't know uh, really anything about them, but a friend uh, dragged me out to see him, and we I remember just walking up to the bar. I, I didn't know it was uh, two people really. Um, I kind of knew, but I wasn't. I wasn't really focused on that because uh. I just thought blues. It's always a band. You know what I'm saying? It's, like, right, it's always right. a, yeah. a couple musicians up there. So as I turned the corner, I heard this sort of like beautiful cacophony. I guess you can call it. It was just this wild, really wide sound that sounded like a, a full band playing. And um, I remember thinking, "Wow, this is like uh, this is something I've never like heard before." It's, it was sparse but very dense at the same time. Yeah. And turn the corner, and there you see two people from completely different worlds making that one sound. And uh, I didn't really know at that point what the film would be about, but that that image stuck with me. And I remember thinking, like, "Wow, this is this is possibly my uh, my my next film." And that's how I got in- introduced to them. And also, as a yeah. guitarist, Sterling was kind of blowing my mind. He, you know, he's playing the drums, singing, and he's playing guitar. And almost like bass lines at the same time, so it was, it was quite incredible. And you're right about that sound. They have a they have a remarkable sound of you said just two people. Uh, I was trying to think of a, a, a musical equivalent, and I go back to uh, Black Keys when they were just the, the two brothers, yeah. right? But. Yeah. They didn't have a harmonica, <laughs> and basically Satan, oh. Mister Satan, made all of the other music. So it's even more intense in some ways because of you know. But that, but that's as close as I could think of as sort of sort of an equivalent was the was that. Um, it's funny because Adam used to introduce him as the band, and he would say, uh, <laughs> "And introducing on the band." Yes. 
Satan, Mr. Satan McGee. Uh, Satan McGee. Uh, he okay. was the band. Right there, you, fig- you you thought I you this was a great subject, and I can see why you thought that. What was that next part of the process for you? Getting to know them, getting how did that you know, and how receptive were they to this idea of you do, doing something? Well, yeah, like uh, they they weren't that well known yet. Mm. Uh, they were well known in in, in insofar as they were on the U two album, but they weren't really bigger than that. They they sort of. They, I think they got uh, sort of positioned into this sort of novelty act, which they really weren't, but yeah. it was just such an odd pairing that um, people, you know, thought they'd, they'd be interesting. But, you know, I the next step for me was just to uh, approach Adam, which I did that night, and I approached um, Sterling as well um, on a break, and um, I said, you know, I'm a, I was a film editor, really. I wasn't even a director at that time. Got their contact information, and I remember Sterling, he wrote me a note like, he wrote me, like, an autograph. He wrote something like, um, you can't buy friendship, but you must make payments on it. <laughs> that, that was his uh, line to me, which I thought was really interesting because, in, in a sense, that actually came true because our friendship was built, you know, over all these years. But going back, I mean, I remember at the time thinking, like, well, if I do do a film on, the, on these guys, you know, what would it be? They, they were very much into it, you know. Uh, I sent the, um, the, the film that I'd cut along with the... Craig, the director I was working with, mm-hmm. and uh, we approached the subject uh, together. Craig, unfortunately, had to leave the project at, at some point. Um, but, you know, I, I was just basing my uh, thoughts on the fact that they seemed to be an allegory for American music to me. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were like sort of a symbol of American music, and that, that's, that's all I had to go on. And, you know, uh, maybe I would get sort of romance elements. You know, I was thinking that, but I had no idea where the story would turn. But to answer your question, they, they were they were very much into, uh, uh, you know, they liked the film that we had sent them. Yeah, it was, it was just a go. And then after that, it was just like trying to trying to raise money and to continue on. Yeah, and without giving a whole lot of the story away, uh, but the story behind Sterling, and you can sort of help me navigate this part of our interview, in that how much you want to talk okay. about his sort of this troubling, uh, not himself personally, but his past and the way that he had sort of been, I'll say, screwed over. I could, but uh, Sterling didn't like to talk about it. So I have some stuff, and I know that some stuff happened. But every time I would bring it up, he would just like, "Oh, that was that was yesterday. That was that was you know." He just he he sort of brushed over it. Let's talk about Satan, uh, Mister Satan, as a as a musician, sort of on the streets of Harlem, uh, sort of in in terms of not only his music but also sort of his place in in the community. Right. So. Uh, Satan's father, he was, he was a deacon, so he came from a religious uh, household, but he had sort of like turned away from the traditional biblical studies of sort of coming to terms with what God is and or for him. You know, he, you know, I think with his wife dying and what he had gone through so much turmoil, you know, being a musician uh, in a time when a lot of black musicians were sort of like, you know, shunted in, in that business. So he had a lot of negativity that he brought with it. I think that when he started playing on the street, I think he found a certain solace in playing for the community and, and almost becoming like a, a minister or something, or, or like his father, sort of like a deacon of the street. And he used his tip money to, to, to uh, help people uh, get food when they were hungry. And some guys who used to, he used to bring out like a uh, sort of garbage can and they would put wood in it and light it, you know, and they would all sit around in the cold and Sterling would play guitar. I mean, he was just this figure in the community where they, someone they can go to, you know, who maybe... Um, maybe they couldn't afford to go to see a, a therapist or whatever, or you know they they, they had uh, they were sort of uh, upset with 
government and or civics, you know, and yeah. he was this alternative. And, yeah. um, you know, he became um, a figurehead. As you've seen the film, everyone knew who he was, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, he, you know, little kids loved him. But, like, he was just sort of a beloved, you know, community figure where music went beyond just uh, playing for entertainment's sake and making money and, you know, becoming famous. He, he, he had it's sort of a different role in that community. So in, in that sense, Adam stepping into that, that's a very loaded situation. And that was one thing that I was super interested in getting underneath in the film. Yeah, that is a, such an interesting part of the film. As Yes, it is. And before we get into that, I just want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Scott Balsarek. He is the director, as well as one of the writers and cinematographers on this terrific film, documentary film called Satan and Adam. It will be opening in New York uh, on the 12th, April 12th, and then it will also be opening here in Los Angeles on April 19th. So you want to check this out. You're right. That sort of the sense of community, that sense of uh, his place in the community. Uh, also, he has this, he's sort of a musician philosopher, musician therapist, as you just described him, uh, community organizer maybe too maybe not quite right but certainly a community fixture and for for a lot of people in harlem sort of a constant in their lives that is very fair and uh, i would stress that uh, the philosopher role was probably uh, most front and center and you see some of that uh you, you can hear some of that in the music as well right. you would think about these issues about who, who we are and sort of existential stuff i mean they came off as just like fun play songs but for him they had uh, deeper meaning that I, I don't even know if I can go into because yeah. uh, some of the stuff I, I you know wasn't quite sure what he was getting at but um, he came mm. at it with a lot of feeling and it it was super convincing all the time yeah. that's just one thing that's interesting about Sterling is he he um he had a, he had a way of dazzling you know and and attracting uh, attention in in a way that was not uh, necessarily audacious it was more compelling, you know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think you see that in the movie as well. This one, I think there's a, there's a, there's a it, it happens with me, it happened with The Edge of U2, he was sort of compelled by Satan, you know, um, and sort of drawn in, and then it happens later with the Kevin character, Kevin Moore, mm-hmm. who was sort of his um, person who was sort of taking care of him at the, at the uh, old folks, well, not the old folks, on the, uh, Recovery. the center that he was in, yeah. sort of a rehabilitation style center. He kind of draw, drew him in as well. So um, I don't know where I'm going with that, but uh, Sterling has this sort of dazzling ability to, to, to pull you in. It kind of worked on Adam as well. It yeah. worked on me. Yeah. Well, so well, well, that's and one thing in the film that I, I try to get out because in the end you think he's gone, you know, and you know, he still is able to sort of draw something back into his life. And it's almost sort of a karmic thing um and i i just i'm just fascinated by him on a lot of levels oh absolutely sort of special character yeah and i and i love the fact that his even in his musical references he was talking about how you know the people uh how he the problem he has with a lot of music is that it's it's about money it's about certain sort of material things and his references are george clinton and sun raw People who, who mm-hmm. uh, Cecil Taylor, I believe you referred to as well, as people who, uh, mm-hmm. is, for them, music is a spiritual journey. And, uh, yeah. and, and by language. all. Yeah, it's Spiritual a language. language. There you go. It's a language. That's right. And, and by his account, and by the account of others, I should say, by others' account, 
he was not only a, an excellent guitarist, but he also played in a way that, as as we see from yeah. Edge in YouTube, how his playing drew him in on that level that you just described. It was as a as a guitarist, he certainly understands the techniques involved. But when he was saying, it just drew him in in a way that was was different, and it was compelling, as you just said. So it's it's great. It's just a. This is really a. You know, I just love this movie, and I mean, I'm a, I love music anyway, and I and I love that there's so much about this discovering somebody new that you weren't familiar with, and being and being blown away by the fact that they are they are so accomplished and so beautiful in their craftsmanship, and and with that, I want to sort of transition into Adam and how Adam, this guy, <laughs> white guy from from a fairly well-off family. Talk, I mean, sort of the dynamics of that relationship, going back in a little bit about Adam and his, how he fits in. Well, um, you know, Adam wasn't really from a wealthy family, but, you know, he was an, he's a very smart guy, so he's, like, Ivy League educated. His parents are very educated. Um, but they were, they, were, they were artists. His mother was a professor, so it wasn't like there was a ton of, of wealth. He was, you know, squarely a middle-class suburban kid. Um, but I think that, you know, and this happened to me, and the, um, when I was learning guitar, uh, I, I did gravitate towards the blues, and I went on to play a lot of different other, uh, other styles and stuff like that, but I never really thought, I, re I never felt, um, there's this whole thing about white guys playing blues that, that sort of, there's this, it, it's something that's brought up so much, you know, in music culture, especially in the, in the United States, but, you know, I just never felt, like, authentic. And I think that a lot of white musicians will try to authenticate themselves in in the black experience mm -hmm. where the music came from. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I know that I I did. If I ever had a chance to play with someone like Mr. Sane, I, I would run at, run at that probably. To sort of you know I don't know. I was in a band once, and uh, a couple of the guys, almost the whole band was black, and I was the only like white guy. And I, I remember feeling like, and it's so absurd if you think about it. But I remember feeling like like authenticized or something. I right. don't even the word. Well, you know val validated, right? Like, validated? Would that be... Uh, validated, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, it's kind of a bunk thing, but... So I was attracted to Adam as a character because I saw a lot of myself, you know, in, in him, you know. But but he, he went for it to a degree that I think that maybe I a lot of people, including myself, probably wouldn't have done. I mean, he, you know, to, to go into Harlem and to, to fully go into that world, play on the street, you know, they're not playing clubs, they're playing on the street, um, out there, like, with the elements, with, uh, it, it's the most egalitarian thing you could do in music, I think, you know, um, you don't know how much you're going to make, um, you could get kicked off, you could get harassed. Well, let's let's go back to uh, a little bit about the uh, sort of the internal workings of the relationship between Adam and Sterling, in terms of the sort of the music that they were able to produce together, and the way that they were able to play together. You were we're sort of talking about it as as this sort of uh, symbiotic relationship that they they had as musicians. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 I think what's interesting for me, at least being a musician, is, there, is you don't really gel with everybody, and I think it's rare. I think uh, I, I brought up uh, before about uh, bands. Um, you, you wonder why they're, they're such, they have such a great sound. You don't understand why the Beatles, the Beatles, you know, it's just this weird sort of uh, confluence of energies that, that sort of just works, you know. But it is a rare thing, just like great bands are rare, in my opinion. And, and Satan and Adam, they had that thing and 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 it's just it's just the, the fact that it came from that they came you know from two completely different worlds in, in some ways um 
it speaks to the the you know the ability of music to you know unite us. It's a very human thing. Um, it's uh, something that's more powerful than your skin color, and um, yeah. Yeah. you know I feel like that that's one thing that um, is interesting about the about the film. And I I just wanted to stress as a filmmaker that it, it is super rare to find someone who you who you gel with on that level. You know, yeah. so yeah, and they certainly had it. it we, earlier, you were talking about. Adam and not coming from a wealthy family, but you know it's funny. I've I've been around uh, people who families who were academically rich. They they yeah. the, the value of education to them was they saw it as as kind of a um, in terms it's almost like money. Uh, for, it's not a means to an end in the in the way the money is. It's, it's more of a sort of a, a position on uh, the world uh, that you cherish. Well, that, that's a great way to put it. You're exactly right. There, exactly. I couldn't have said it better. And and I've like I said, I've been around families who, who you know, they went to, uh, they were educated overseas, and their kids went on to Harvard and Stanford, and it wasn't necessarily with the idea that they were all going to make a lot of money. They came from academic, and and academia has its own sort of world, and it values things differently than than a business world might. So, yeah. uh, and that's where it, that's where I feel like Adam was coming from. He didn't necessarily, he didn't really care about money. I, I mean, the opportunity for him was I could make as much money. Uh, playing as a street musician as I was making tutoring, which is, tells you a lot about him as a person and about how he values things over money. And then he said, I can make money on the street. And and, and I would be happy, very happy doing that. So I, I think all those things play into why this film is so engaging. It's, it pulls you in. It's, it's, it's an emotional pull that I don't know I would have thought going into watching the film from the at the very very beginning of it, but it certainly does all of those things. And I'm sure as a as a, a filmmaker, you must have felt that, especially in the editing process. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, way back when I when I lost uh, when we lost Sterling, um, I thought it, I thought it was over, um, but instead it just it got you know even more more rich. And then as they sort of came back together again. You can you saw how how much they cared for for each other, yeah. and uh, I th- I feel like uh, in the editing room it was interesting for me because there, there are moments where they um, they're away from each other, but you, you you kind of feel like like they they they've always been around, and and that speaks to I think this this sort of thing they had uh, through the music that that connected them in a way that um, a lot of people you know don't really connect on you know it. I mean, in our day-to-day lives, we you know it's rare that we really truly connect with someone, um, and so yeah, I was a little nervous when when they when they separated that they wouldn't have that. But the way that they talked about each other and the way that they uh, went on with their lives and reflected upon their their moments together, I think made the story so so much more uh, enriching, and it was really surprising to me. And yeah, you're, you're totally right. A lot of that occurred in the cutting room. It, it, before I let you go, I, sort of, I've sort of neglected the origin story here. There's so much, and this is one of the things I truly admire about fil- documentary filmmakers and how they're willing to take chances and without knowing what the payoff is going to be. Because we're following Adam in, in, in the film as a young man, much younger man. And through his odyssey, through his journey, through his tale of being a street musician— and then we're and we're seeing clips of him sort of bouncing back from 
now from today, contemporary uh, interviews, and then going back and forth. And again, that is another part of the film that pulls me in, uh, and that is this this journey that you see not only in the footage of them together as musicians together, as sort of uh, sort of figuring out how they're going to work together, the sort of the business side of it, the relationship with with Miss Macy, and all all of those things that are in play, but also the fact that you were part of all of this so many years before uh, is, is again, sort of another thread that, that is, is pulling me into this story. Um, and Mike, and I, again, my, my heart goes out to documentary filmmakers who take these chances and are willing to, to write it out until something like this happens or not. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very much so. Um, well, thank you for that. And, you know, um, I, I, I sort of liken it to, um, and it's, in, in some ways it's almost like, a, you know, when you go on like a guitar solo, it's sort of a risk. You, you just kind of go out there. You don't, <laughs> you don't necessarily know what you're doing, and, and you just hope that it ends up somewhere um, where the audience, like, applauds. Because <laughs> <laughs> it could also go really badly. So in some ways, almost it's like sort of like just jamming with them. Um, I, I never really thought about it that way until you brought it up. But I, I guess in some ways, uh, hanging on to uh, to uh, to that was almost like uh, Adam talking about just hanging on to Sterling's playing and trying to figure out what he was going to do. Um, I, I kind of felt like I was in the same situation, yeah. but I you know I just kept, went with it because you know once you commit, you know when you're when you're doing a guitar solo or your saxophone solo or whatever <laughs> uh, harmonica solo, once you commit, you know you don't you don't. Just, you know, you're you're there for a couple bars. You know, you, you can't back you can't back out of it. You know, so yeah. you know. Well, I, I take I liken it to that. Well, it certainly pays off in this film. It really, truly does. And I I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for Adam, and for Sterling, and for the everyone in the film. It's it's so such a warm hearted film, especially when you when you throw the title in Satan and Adam. It is all kind of all kind of very works all together in a in a very very beautiful way. So, uh, Scott Balsarek, thank you for your time and for your patience today, uh, as well as this terrific film, Satan and Adam. And it'll, again, I'll remind before we let go, uh, remind people that it's opening here in New York and or it's opening in New York on April twelfth and opens here in Los Angeles on April nineteenth and. You can go to the website satanandadamfilm.com to find out more about it, more about where the screenings will be and the story behind and all of that stuff. And Scott Balsarek, thank you so much for being a part of Film School today. Thank you so much. It was fun talking to you. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.